Welcome to Interviews. Being an entrepreneur is the toughest job ever. There are no practical guidelines. So I created this podcast to help crack the entrepreneurship code. Join me every week as I invite entrepreneurs to share their stories, the practical tips and lessons they've learned along the way. Don't be the main bottleneck in your business. Subscribe now. Interviews is brought to you by Social Prize, a marketing and communication agency operating remotely since 2005. Social Prize specializes in digital technologies and communication, web development, e-commerce, remote working, coaching, training, growth hacking. Log on their website, socialprize.me. Hi, thank you for listening. Today, I'm with Nolan Garrett, founder and CEO of Intrinium, an IT and security solutions company, providing comprehensive consulting and managed services to businesses of all size based in the USA. Nolan has recently published his first book, Book Me Running a Business, The Lessons I've Learned from Turning My Mistakes into Successes. Hi, Nolan. Thank you very much for joining me today. Hi, Lauren. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Cool. I think I think we're going to have a blast. Just the title of the of your book is funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it it definitely cracked me up. I've got a few uh, odd reactions when I've told people the title name for sure. So you either like it or you don't. I think. <laughs> oh, no, but I get it. I get it. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your journey towards becoming an entrepreneur. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I graduated college with a degree in computer science at 22. um, And I went and worked for a little consulting company for a little bit and traveled around a bunch doing information security uh, consulting. And after a period of a little over a year of travel every single week, I thought, you know, cybersecurity looks like it's going to have a future. Maybe I should start my own thing and, and be ready for that. And so I, I started a business in my little local area here, over here in uh, Washington State, in the in the states here. Um, started this business and really focused on kind of just the regional uh, accounts that I could help. So I just helped little credit unions and banks that were trying to figure out what cybersecurity even was. Spent my time helping them, and then after the course of three or four years, we really started to grow, including getting a lot of national traction. And so that was really a moment for me where, you know, I'm at that point, 27, 28, still pretty young. I had to figure out, you know, what do I want? Am I building a, a big business and I mm. do I want to hire a bunch of people or am I looking for just a couple of people, you know, just to do a small consulting thing? And, and I decided to try to grow it. So um, from about there on out, I've been bootstrapping and growing the business um, up to about 50 people today. And we work oh. all over the United States now for a lot of really big name clients. Yeah. Very nice. So you started, you were like 22, 23? Yeah, I started the business at 23 years old with a whole year of work history under my belt. So I knew everything about starting a business. (laughs) Of course you did. (laughs) But why you decided to choose that path and not go for to work for somebody else? Yeah, you know, um, it's a couple things in this particular region. So I'm in the Spokane, Eastern Washington area here. Mm. Um, There's not a lot of big business options. So it would have required me to move or leave the area. Um, For one, it wouldn't get if I wanted that level of... um, I guess, maybe integration into a larger business, you know, remote work wasn't a thing at the time. Um, And, you know, 
when I told a friend of mine that I was starting a business, the first words he said to me was, oh, that makes sense. You've never had a comment on how someone can do something better. And so I think from there, I, it just kind of has been part of who I am as an entrepreneur. I'm one of those people who I see a problem or even something that's working really well. And I go, hey, we could improve that. And I think that feeds the entrepreneurship mindset quite a bit is, hey, we could make that change and this would be better. The business would be better or we do this better thing for a client. So I think it's kind of built into who I am. Right. And today for you, what I mean, what does it mean to be an entrepreneur? Oh, for me, um, it's a couple of things. You know, I think there's the obvious thing of starting a business and trying to grow it, but I really see entrepreneurship and leadership as being very closely connected, right? You're mm. really helping develop and grow the people around you, the staff that you bring on, you're really helping them in their careers, right? And so entrepreneurship is one part having, I think, some business acumen and an idea and a way to kind of work that. But I think leadership is a big piece of entrepreneurship as well. And it's one of the things that um, I found that I enjoyed most, or I have enjoyed most throughout my career is really helping others develop themselves in their careers. So that's how you see leadership, helping others develop their career. Yeah, you know, but not just their career, but develop themselves. You know, it's right. um, a lot of people, I think all of us do, but maybe to different degrees, you know, we need that kind of mentorship or the, the encouragement that, hey, that looks hard, but you can do it. And I believe in you, or here's just like my book, here's all the hot stoves I've touched along the way, maybe avoid those so that things will go more smoothly for you than they did for me. And so I found that being able to pass that knowledge on and help other people and, you know, whether it is in life or in business, you know, helping them um, reach their goals, that, that has been very rewarding for me. Oh, as entrepreneurship impacted you personally? You know, it's, um, it becomes all consuming, right? Um, mm. It's, uh, at least for me, maybe it's different for others, but based on the conversations I've had, I don't think so. You know, it's like, it's like having a kid, right? It's like your baby, you start mm -hmm. this thing, and it's, it's literally nothing, and you have to grow it and nurture it and do all, and, you know, do all the things to keep it, you know, alive and healthy. And, you know, you really, it, it starts to consume all of your life and you spend, at least I do, you know, most of your waking hours, um, either worried about it or working on it or helping people within that business, uh, be successful. And so it, it really is, at least for me, 16 hours of my waking day are really focused on, on the business in some way. It all comes back to that. And after so many years, I think 20, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, what makes you get out of bed every day? Yeah, you know, so I've gone through different phases through that, you know, it, at first, I was super excited just to add new clients, right? Or I was excited to, hey, you know, we're making a little bit of money. It's fun to make money now after all these years of a startup of not making it. <laughs> um, but those things kind of wear off a little bit, right? Over time, you're like, oh, you know, that's fun. But it's every day now. It's every day. And so, you know, the things that I really enjoy now that make me get out of bed is um, I have this really, really great executive team that I've been building over the last couple of years. Um, they are working to really transform this business, you know, going from just a $10 million business to a $100 million business is our goal. And so that mm. super difficult, super fun journey, that's the thing that gets me up out of bed. I wake up and go, oh, I've got a hard day ahead and that's going to be great. I can't wait to solve some challenging problems today. It's amazing to uh, see your enthusiasm after so after so many years. I can feel I can feel the passion in you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is one part coffee. I won't deny, but <laughs> I am passionate also. <laughs> well, you lost your hair too along the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you know when you say how has uh, entrepreneurship affected you, I definitely blame the hair loss on that. <laughs> no doubt. It, what 
what do you think after so many years what do you think are the keys to your success hmm, that's a great question you know um one of the things i fall back on a lot is that so intrinium itself is almost 15 years old and we work for the three original clients that i sold back in 2007 they are still clients of ours wow. today and you know when i think about kind of that impact you know that's that's the most interesting piece about that is if if you provide um, strong relationships and and you really take care of your customer and try to meet them in the place that they are, look at their business and their needs, they'll never leave you, right? And I think that's a big piece of the success is despite the fact that we've grown substantially, that we've gone from just Nolan's consulting services to having a bunch of people nationally doing this, we have always maintained those connections with clients, tried to listen to them and listen to what their needs are and meet them in that place. And it means we don't lose them. So it allows us to grow and allow allows those clients to be sticky. I think that's a huge piece of our success. Anything else? Um, you know, I think the other thing that, that I would definitely go back to is maintaining a really strong work culture. You know, over these years, I've gone through these different periods, you know, almost roller coasters of having a really good work culture and then a weak one and then a strong one and a weak one. Um, in the last five or six years, I've really focused on making that a consistent, regular thing for our business. And so now we win Best Place to Work Awards just about every year. I shouldn't say just about. We have won them every year for the last four years. Um, we continue to be able to bring on really strong and incredible talent because we maintain a culture of transparency and candor and openness uh, and accountability. People are expected to work and get the job done and take care of the clients. Um, but, you know, when you build up a strong team that is closely connected, they understand what the goals and the mission are of the organization. They know how to communicate and work with each other. You can't help but be successful because that connection will, will ultimately provide great service for your customers and your customers will keep coming back because they love that experience. So mm -hmm. I think culture is a huge piece of it. Mm. And when you look at uh, those 15 years, do you think there was one or maybe several key milestone moments where the business could have turned, you know, from one side to or the other? Yes, absolutely. In fact, I remember one, you know, really, really key. It was back in uh, 2014 or so. So um, Intrinium was, was growing, but my competitors in the local area were actually growing really quickly too. And I was starting to feel like, oh man, if we don't get bigger a lot faster, we're going to just get squeezed out due to scale. We need to get you know, much larger, fast. And so I started looking for organizations, you know, regionally that I could acquire. And I did, I acquired an organization. Um, I didn't do the strength of the due diligence I should have done. And I didn't double check to make sure that their culture was going to align with ours. And so I brought this organization in, it was almost the same size as the existing company that I had. So you brought in, you know, a bunch of peers, you know, and everyone is now kind of trying to figure out what their place is yeah. and at that exact same time in our region we experienced a bit of an economic recession and so our customers started pulling back on their contracts while i was trying to juggle different cultures and people and trying to merge these organizations together and there was a period there for about eight months where uh, I was funding the business out of my savings account. We were going mm -hmm. through all of the challenges of trying to um, kind of fix that culture and figure out who are we now, now that the CEO has just rammed another company on top of ours and is trying to figure out how to make it work. We went through some pretty challenging periods there. We lost a few customers, unfortunately, due to us not being able to figure out how we wanted to work with customers. 
And it was, it was a little uh, nerve wracking. In fact, I think that's when most of the hair loss began was right around 2014. <laughs> 2015. I can, I can relate to, uh, to your situation. I, I, I kind of lived uh, a similar situation when I was living, when I was living in Asia and we were too focused. So it was a major and we were too focused on our egos as, you know, the management team uh, trying to decide who is going to do what and what, where, the, where the power instead of focusing on the team and the, and the people. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that one of the major mistakes I made, and I write about this a little bit in my book, but one of the major mistakes I made is um, as part of that merger, I brought on uh, an equal shareholder partner and he and I mm. did not agree on what the vision was for the business overall. And so instead of reconciling this, this was definitely my immaturity. Um, instead of reconciling this, I just tried to do both. And do you know how hard it is to run a business with two different visions simultaneously? Yep. Like the customers don't get it. The staff don't get it. Half the time you don't get it, right? You're trying to figure out what you're doing. That was a super, super challenging time. And it took several years of effort um, for me and that, uh, that other owner to really come to a realization that he and I weren't going to be able to work together because we didn't see it go in the same way. And so, <laughs> so ultimately, you, so you yeah, eventually I'll, split. We eventually, but yeah, he, I uh, ultimately bought him out and, and he moved on um, because we went for years with that kind of conflict that occurs when you have two people who are just looking for either different outcomes in their business, or maybe they're different, you know, ages in life and they're one's looking for an exit and one's looking to grow, you know, so definitely challenging times. And I, I think that that's one of the biggest uh, chunks of my book is actually on partnerships in particular and making sure that, you know, if you're getting into that, I call it a marriage. If you're getting to that mm. kind of marriage with somebody that you really understand that you're aiming for the same goals, because without it, it will slow you down. Or, you know, I got lucky, the company survived and we found growth again and we found something that worked, but it doesn't work that way for everybody. Those conflicts can tear down a business sometimes, you know, if, if you don't find a way through. Yes, I, I agree. Um, I had a question, but I, I forgot, so I'm going to move to another, another question. If I was to ask your people, how would they describe you as a, as a leader? Oh, that's a great question. Um, oh, that's so hard. But I believe that they would describe me as uh, actually relatively humble. I'm actually a little bit introverted, like I can mm -hmm. get it together for a podcast, but I'm the quiet guy that will sit in the back of the room and listen for a while, right? Um, I'm usually not the person, you know, in big group meetings where I pull everyone and I'm just talking at them for half an hour and then say, okay, the meeting's over. I'm, I'm very collaborative in my approach. And so um, I, I try very hard to give people, uh, you know, both the time they need to communicate, but to also understand where they're coming from, whether it's a problem for a client or a challenge they're dealing with, it's maybe more of an HR kind of issue, whatever that might be. I try to be present and available for them um, and not just always giving advice or giving direction, but trying to help them understand that I see their perspective, I see where they're coming from, uh, and then try to marry that up with what the business needs. So hopefully the staff see me in that way. Uh, mm -hmm. You don't always know how you're being perceived, but that's, that's who I try to be, you know, that's who I try to project. It's interesting because every time I talk to successful entrepreneurs like yourself, the first thing they mention is people. They always attribute that successes to others. Absolutely. I think it's, 
when you get past a certain size, right? So when we were two or three people, right? You could say, oh, it's my success because I'm literally doing all of this work all the way through to sending out the invoices and all the accounting mm -hmm. and everything else related to it. But you know, you grow past 10 people and you realize the only thing I do is meetings. The only thing I do is talk to and work with other people and help them with their challenges in the business or working on a problem for a client, right? And so if all I'm doing is meetings, if all I'm doing is just interactions, you know, peer to peer like this, then clearly they're the ones doing the work. Clearly it's the people who are, who are making this successful, right? I'm just on a headset chatting with people half the time, giving them the benefit of either my experience or what I've seen with that client or what I've seen within the business. But the people are the ones doing it for sure. I found my question. <laughs> did you self-finance your business? I did. Yeah, I self-financed it. So I started it with $1,500. I'm like, oh yeah, I saved up some money. So I'm going <laughs> to... I'm going to start it. So I started with $1,500 and bootstrapped it from there. And I mean, every, especially those first few years was at a you know contract and then add a staff member, add a couple yeah. of contracts, add another staff member and just try to inch your way up the ladder from there. Um, if I were to do it again, I would probably do some fundraising. $1,500 was not enough money to start a business <laughs> on. It was a little tight for a while. So in hindsight, that would be something I would change. Where would you go to, um, to get the funds? If I were going to do something consulting like this, and I had the same idea at the time of being more regional than national, I would probably just go to friends and family to raise. Right. If I wanted to go something that was you know, national where I needed seven figures worth of capital to really try to blow it up, um, I would probably go to angel investors you know, at this point, especially in this market, the way it seems to be with angel investors. They seem to be looking for somewhere to put their money today. Hmm. So let's talk about your book. First, the title. Like I said, fuck me running a business. I can't say the word. <laughs> why, is that, why is such a title? Oh, man. So uh, I'm kind of sitting. You got a picture. So I'm sitting in my office trying to ideate what a title should be, just trying to get started. This is before I had hired an editor to help me figure everything out. And I'm like, oh, fuck me. I don't even know what I, oh, maybe I'll just write that as the working title. I'll just write that. That can be the title. And then I can get started and I'll come back and change it later. So fast forward, I hire an editor, I, you know, show them all my notes, kind of what I put together. And um, they're like, well, do you have a title idea? I'm like, no, I just have this thing I made up and I sent it to them. And they're like, oh, you must keep this title. I'm like, I'm going to make so many people mad. It's going to offend them. Like, I don't know if that's what I'm aiming for, but they showed me all the stats. And they're like, no, you put these kinds of words in the title and everybody wants to know what's in the book. They, yeah. they might hate it, but they're going to get in and go check it out because they want to <laughs> know what did you put in this? So it was really my publisher that um, convinced me to keep it. And I will tell you, I was nervous all the way up to release day on keeping uh, obscenities in my title for my first book release, right? <laughs> well, uh, that's good marketing. <laughs> <laughs> it seems to have worked out. So I, I can't complain, but I was nervous. <laughs> and so the subtitle of your book is The Lessons I've Learned from Turning My Mistakes into Successes. And earlier in our conversations, you mentioned hot stoves. So can you share some of them without, you know, giving too much details, of course? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so, you know, early on, you know, I mentioned when I started the business, I was 23, right? So I was very young and I did, I think what a lot of uh, younger entrepreneurs do, which is I need help. Who do I trust? Well, I know my friends. So I'm just going to hire all of my friends. I don't really know if they're skilled enough for this or not, but I'm just going to try to hire them and bring them in. And because we have a good relationship or because we'll go have beers together. And so we get along that way. They must be a good fit to work for me at my company, right? <laughs> 
it doesn't work out that way. It didn't work out that way. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I hired a lot of people that were fun to drink with, but weren't necessarily um, interested in cybersecurity even. I mean, they weren't even doing the same kind of work. So that was definitely one of the lessons that I learned over time was, you know, the challenges of holding friends accountable, just generally the impacts it can have on your relationships when you're trying to build a business and you need to expect something out of your staff who is also your friend. And then you want to go to a barbecue with them that weekend and not fight with each other. Right. Mm. So like, you know, I've definitely learned some of those lessons. Um, partnerships is another big one. You know, I've had a couple of partners as I've, uh, you know, gone through this one that I acquired through that acquisition. And, um, like I said, making sure that you have the same vision. That's another really critical one. Um, I think one of the other kind of mistakes, since I'm just giving you a laundry list of mistakes that I made is early on, I, I felt that things like culture, HR, more of the softer things around, you know, staff, I thought, why do we need those things, right? People should just be excited to work and to work on their job. And I don't know why, you know, we need to worry about all this other soft stuff, you know, mm. just work hard like I do. It'll be fun, right? Um, <laughs> And what I learned <laughs> is that culture is actually critical, right? Culture is the yeah. only way. Uh, and I learned this by doing it the wrong way, but culture is the only way that you make sure that that same client, the one I mentioned that I got back in 2007, that they have the same consistent, regular experience over all those 15 years. The culture is what defines that your staff are now going to interact with that client in the same way that I did when I was just you know, Nolan Garrett consulting services effectively. And so I think managing that culture and not thinking, oh, I won a best place to work award. So now I never have to think about culture again. It's an mm -hmm. ongoing, regular, consistent thing that you always have to be managing uh, everything from, from new hires to the way uh, you offboard staff when they leave or move on or whatever that is. I'm pretty sure you've also learned that there is only one Nolan Garrett. It's you. <laughs> <laughs> there is i am the well there was another one and then he kind of disappeared there was a jazz musician somewhere who stole yeah. my nolangarrett.com but I, I don't see him playing as much these days so I, i'm taking the name back it's mine again but yeah you you cannot be cloned <laughs> <laughs> that's right <laughs> that is very true <laughs> what are you the most proud of oh man um the most proud of that's interesting um I think the thing that I am most proud of, I kind of sound like a broken record, but I, at the same time, I'm very proud of it. It is the fact that every single year, our staff vote us into a best place to work award each year. That for me is a, um, it helps me know that I'm doing my job, right? You can, mm -hmm. you can look at things like revenue and a PL. you can look at your balance sheet, you can look at how much you put in your, you know, your checking account or whatever personally. I, I don't think that those are good things of, of measurement, of pride, of whatever that needs to be. It's when you see that staff, you know, raise their hand and go, I really enjoy working here. You've made a place that I don't want to leave. You've made a place that I want to recruit other people to. That is, that for me, I, I feel a sense of pride that, that I've created an organization that people, you know, have an emotional connection to and, and they feel well taken care of. So it's a very big one for me. When we uh, prepared the, the interview, uh, that's, to, 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 tell, to let us uh, audience know that it was a long time ago because we had some technical issues <laughs> getting <laughs> on the record. <laughs> you said, uh, you talked about the importance of managing oneself. And you told me it's not about burning the candles on both hands. Why did you say that? And is it also something that you teach to your staff? 
Yeah, that's that's a really good question. So yeah, I can tell you a little bit of a story about that. So I kind of told you the period of, you know, I acquired a business and things started to, you know, get a little rough. We pulled through that. And right after that, we landed a very, very large account. It was the largest one we'd ever landed down in California. Um, and we were, the, the person who had hired us was like, I'm going to throw several million dollars a year of projects at you. And this is to, to an organization that is only oh. doing a few million dollars a yeah. year in revenue. So basically it's, we're going to double your revenue and you need to start tomorrow, right? So we are just coming out of recession. We're just coming out of this kind of tumultuousness with the staff. And now I have to basically double the team size and try to figure out how to, you know, capture this revenue that, you know, we've just sold to this client. And I made, I made a mistake. The mistake I made was I decided I'm going to go do that work myself and I will manage it personally. And I will try to bring on staff as I go. But the only way we're going to juggle this is if Nolan Garrett is the one who goes down to California and does it. Mm. And so during that time frame, I was uh, working for an organization I was already contracted with for about 40 hours a week of consulting. I was running this business. And then this other thing came up at another 40 hours a week. And so I was pretty consistently doing 100 to 120 hours a week of billable service into clients, traveling all over the United States and trying to run the business simultaneously. As you can imagine, I experienced after about a year and a half of that, an absolute breakdown. Like it just completely yeah. fell apart for me. The wheels came off. And a big part of it was, you know, I wasn't working out. I wasn't exercising or I, I wasn't eating well, you know, to any degree because I was in airports 100% of the time. You know, I wasn't sleeping at all because I was on airplanes all of the time, right? Mm. And I just completely broke myself effectively, ran out of energy. And that lesson for me, I got very lucky. My team thankfully stepped up and they were able to take on a bunch of that work while I took a couple of months off and tried to recharge. But it got so dark for me during that period of, of burnout, despite all the energy I have about the business right now, if you would have asked me then, I would have been like, just take it. I don't even want to sell it. Just get it away from me. I oh. am burnt out and I don't want to touch this, right? And so I think I learned, I, I actually talked to a therapist, I did all of those things. And one of the things I learned is I have to manage myself, my energy levels. I need to make sure that I'm living a life where I'm having some fun and some pleasure and some enjoyment. Otherwise, you don't have all of yourself to give to whatever your staffing issues are, your client problems are, whatever that might be. And so I, I firmly believe that self-management is the first thing you do if you want to be successful as an entrepreneur, you can't swap those around. Self-management is first. I love it because we don't talk enough about it. There's, there are a lot of entrepreneurs like, like yourself who, who burn the candles on both hands. But if you can't take care of, your, of yourself, how can you take care of your business and your people? Yep. That, that, and that's exactly it. You know, I, I say in that part, I was in a pretty dark place talking to a therapist. I, I remember talking to my, my girlfriend at the time, now my fiance. I remember telling her, like, if someone would just come in and take this business away from me, that would be fine. I don't even want to get a dollar out of it. I just don't want to have to deal with this again. And I, it was because I had, I ran out of steam, man. I just completely burnt that candle to both ends to where there was nothing left. And it took a couple months, maybe three months, and then a whole year of practicing self-care, meditation, working out, eating well, to really refine the energy and the passion for what I'm doing today. So is that what you teach also to your staff today? It is. So, so today um, we offer uh, unlimited paid time off, which I know has a little bit of a vibe with it, but we really mm. encourage our team to take the time off. 
Um, we try to get them to take at least two weeks, if not four weeks off each year. Um, it's one of the things that uh, I'm very adamant about with my executives. You know, once a quarter, we do our quarterly meetings. I say, hey, make sure you're taking time off and make sure you've talked with your managers and that they're making sure everyone within their team is getting a week off or a few days off or what have you. And we have not that cybersecurity is seasonal, but we kind of have some ups and downs that follow when summer happens. And so, you know, I'm really, uh, I'm really adamant about going to the team and saying, hey, you know, August or July, it's usually a slower month for us. Go take a few weeks off, go travel, go do something, get away from your computer for a while. This'll, this work will be here when you get back, I promise. Yeah. It's not about the, about the money in the end. No, it's not. <laughs> I mean, I think about this a lot, you know, you do the, um, you know, what would be in your obituary or like the deathbed, you know, kind of like try to envision that there's no scenario where you're laying in your deathbed going, you know what I wanted, I wanted a, a few more dollars and to have worked a few more hours, right? That yeah. will never be the thing you say. It's always going to be, I want another couple hours in the beach with my, with my wife, with my girlfriend. I want to go hang out with my best friend and have one more beer, right? Those are the things you want. So that's what you should be working for. Let entrepreneurship and making money and those things, let those support that. But don't, those aren't the objective, in my opinion. That's a good transition to my next question. What's the legacy you would like to leave behind you? Yeah, you know, I've been thinking about that one a lot uh, lately. So I am, I'm 38 today, right? And so I'm at that place where okay. you start thinking about, what, what is your legacy? <laughs> so, you know, I, I've been thinking about that quite a bit. Um, and I, I know that one of my you know, assuming that I do end up selling this business at some point and I exit with some capital, I know one of the major things I want to do is donate whatever wealth comes out of that to charity. I haven't decided exactly which ones. That's key for me. Um, but otherwise, I always go back to, you know, if several of the staff members uh, that have worked with me over the years wanted to start their own entrepreneurship journeys and wanted um, feedback and support from me on that, that for me would be me leaving a legacy. I, if I could help mm. others experience the same journey that I've experienced, maybe with fewer hot stoves, that for me is definitely like, that's where I think that I, I would have found my life success, if, the, if that makes any sense. It does. Then you should become a mentor. I, it's uh, kind of one of the things I'm thinking. You notice I wrote the book that's got a little bit of that kind of mentorship coaching stuff in it. I'm testing the waters some. You know, some of it is definitely, you know, marketing. So I get to talk mm. about my business and that. But um yeah, I think in the longer term, especially if I were to, you know, sell Intrinium in a handful of years, I would definitely go into coaching and mentorship and trying to help other 23-year-olds other like me who just have no idea what it is that they're doing, <laughs> help them try to figure that out and accelerate past some of the rocky moments. But they won't believe you. <laughs> I know, I know, because isn't that the truth, right? Like, I didn't listen to, you know, these people who were available to me at the time. I wanted to do it my way. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Oh, that's great. If you had one recommendation to give to entrepreneurs or wannabe entrepreneurs, uh, what would it be? One recommendation. Um, I think my recommendation would be if you're, if you're looking to get into entrepreneurship, maybe you have an idea. Um, take a minute to use, to leverage the resources that might be around you to understand the business side of how to execute that idea. And that comes from, I, I do some coaching in, in this local area that I'm in with some startups mm -hmm. and there's a lot of great ideas, but 
many of the idea generators, they specifically want to be CEO. I want to be in the driver's seat. I want to run it. Also, I don't want to run accounting. I don't want to really understand the you know, complexities of a PL or a balance sheet, right? And those things are just as important. You have to have both a good idea and also a way to marry that to some business acumen, right? So that you can actually turn that into revenue growth and the ability to staff. And so I think that's my key thing is either surround yourself with those people, those mentors, those advisors who can give you that, or make sure you deep dive and develop that understanding of how to actually run a business on your own, or you'll be exactly in the situation that I was in the first few years of, well, I added a contract. I think that means I can add some staff. Oh no, I'm, I'm underwater now. Now I got to add some more contracts, right? Because I never, in the first few years, I didn't understand the financial and business management side of what I was trying to do. Wow. We're talking planning here. planning financial planning yes (laughs) you know it's it's um, a very interesting topic because not a lot of startups that i mentor like financial planning (laughs) isn't that true it's so important it it is and you know I, i i see a lot of I see a lot of startup entrepreneurs who are getting going say, well, I just got some projections. So what I did was, is I put, we're going to make a million dollars in the first year in the spreadsheet. And then I just extended that out at 200% growth year over year. So this is going to work out great, right? <laughs> like, and so I, I think, and I did the same thing. If I were to go find my old spreadsheet for growth projections, I think Intrinium went from $0 to like $80 million in revenue in three years, right? Because I didn't know how to actually break down what are the costs and how those things work. Yeah. And it slowed me down. At the time, I thought, I'm going fast. I will worry about this when I get there. I'll cross those bridges. But now I can look back and say, you know, if I would have taken the time to understand how the expenses work and, you know, how, what things would be biting off at certain times to make that growth happen, I actually would have more rapidly scaled instead of just trial and erroring my way, you know, each month through to trying to, you know, make a little bit of money to pay for the next month. So I, I think that 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 financial planning, understand the financial aspects of the industry. I think that's truly critical. I know some people, you know, they immediately, you know, get a migraine trying to think about that. So bring in an advisor or a partner or someone like that who can, who can do that if it's just not something that you want to wrap your brain around. My show is called Interviews Cracking the Entrepreneurship Code. So have you cracked the code? Have I cracked the code? Oh, man. Um, I do feel as though I could start businesses, you know, successful businesses for a period of time, but you never absolutely, you know, what does cracking the code mean? Does that mean that every single one of them becomes a unicorn? I don't think I figured that part out. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe that's that's content for your next book. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. How to build a unicorn business. (laughs) In one year. In one year. (laughs) All spreadsheets. Last question. How can people contact you? Yeah. So uh, the best way to find me is honestly on LinkedIn, or you can go to nolangarrett.co because the jazz musician got the other one. So nolangarrett.co is the one. Um, you can also find my book on Amazon uh, under Fuck Me Running or uh, Nolan Garrett. You'll find it there. Excellent. Thank you very much, Nolan, for your time today. Thank you, Laurent. I appreciate it. And thank you all for listening. I'd love to hear your feedback. Reach out to me by email or via social media and let me know what your favorite part of this episode was. See you next time. Bye-bye.